welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. I am joined, as always, by James Cratch, Keith Sargent. Fellas, I was thinking about this. We, we've done this podcast for a while now. We've done the podcast after the Ohio State game for a while now. And this is the first time we're going to talk about an Ohio State game when we're not talking about just an utter blowout, a, just a whitewashing. You know, the first half of that game, it looked like that's where we were headed, 35-3. to three. But what happened in the second half of that game really just sort of changed the narrative. We, you know, when we talk, we're going to talk about trick plays. We're going to talk about onside kicks. We're talking about two-point conversions, about competing, about keeping the score closer. And I, and I think, Sarge, that this is the bigger picture about changing the narrative about this team. You know, finally, we are – looking at Rutgers in a different way. I mean, would you agree with that, generally speaking? Yeah, and it's funny because there, for the long t- longest time, we were thinking, um, you know, how many times did you say, well, you know, if moral victories counted, Rutgers would be, would be playing in a bowl game, right? Um, these aren't moral victories. And, and Greg Schiano today, when I, when I tried to get him to uh, kind of talk maybe a little big picture about, like, the national uh, recognition that they've received, because for the most part, there's been a lot more positive vibes, whether it's Big Ten Network or, or some national uh, reporters uh, took notice after they beat Michigan State, even after this past week, where they were more competitive against Ohio State, people are taking notice. Chiano didn't want you know anything to do with that that line of questioning. He just talked about you know just how how you know downtrodden the team was after they lost. Talked about how uh, how much they put into it from week to week. Yeah, and, and the key thing is, he said it after the game. He said it again today that that you know they expected to beat Ohio State. You know now none of us did. But they expected to beat Ohio State. So playing competitively, I, I don't think he's, he's satisfied with it at all. Cratch, do, do you buy that? I, mean, I understand certainly that's what he's going to say. It's probably what he believes. Mm-hmm. But part of him has to think that, okay, you know, we can't have a situation like Rutgers had before he got here where every one of these games was 56 to 3 and 78 to nothing. And, you know, it just from the outside, you saw that score. And if you put that game on the second half, you saw misery. Instead, if you put the game on in the second half, you saw Rutgers players having a good time and coming off the sideline with smiles, scoring touchdowns. I mean, in the general picture, I have to think that that matters a great deal. 49-27. I know you've said this in the past. Fans love to bring it up, Steve. Suck normal. Like 49-27, I look at that on the scroll of ESPN. That's nothing. That happens every week. Oklahoma beats basically, you know, every team in the Big Ten 49-27. And we just – Big 12, excuse me. And we just kind of roll on. So I think that's the big thing. You know, people don't gawk at 49-27. They gawk at 58 nothing or 56 nothing or 52-3. to the, the important thing that I take away from the aftermath of that game was it's not like last year where Rutgers had, you know, their heroic 35-point loss to – Ohio State people acted like that like oh my god we we only lost by 35 let's celebrate that hasn't happened here obviously people are enthused we're seeing progress the team doesn't give up but as you said Greg treated it like they lost the football game which he should obviously because they did so I think that's important that they showed more fight against Ohio State but they're also not celebrating this great moral victory and saying hey you know we we've made it you know no they're saying we need to keep getting better Right. All right. Let's dive in because it really was an interesting second half, certainly, maybe not game. You know, if you're looking at the offense from a standpoint, I mean, the good news, 373 yards against Ohio State, which is, I mean, you know, that was that was three weeks during uh, during last season for, for, for this offense. You know, you had a great observation crash in the film review, which, sorry, I don't need to tell you. 
it, it just, it just, I think it can't get any better. And it just gets, it's like, it's like the final season of Breaking Bad good so far. Sorry. No, That's how I, was I, feel thinking, about it. I, I was actually thinking Joe Pulitzer might be like looking at it. And, and Joey P? Yeah. He might be in. actually, you know, looking down, mm-hmm. you know, and, and saying, you know what, I wish I would have come up with some stuff like this back in the day. <laughs> I was saying, you, you pointed out that 14, <laughs> I'm sorry, for Joe Pulitzer. I love it. That's great. I'm just digging in Joey P. All right. Uh, 14 different offensive players had at least one touch in that game with nine receivers with one reception. That's amazing for this offense where it was last year compared to now. You know, the bad news, and I don't know if you feel this way, Crotch, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure they could line up and get two yards if they needed to, but they certainly can line up and surprise people with trick plays. Is, is the trick play thing to you too big a part of the offense? Is it sustainable? I mean, what was your – when you went back and looked at the, in the film, what was your takeaway on that? So I thought what Greg Schiano said after the game about how they're not they're, – they're, they're building something and they're not going to necessarily just get away from what they're doing just to win a game, I, I thought was pretty telling. You know, of all the trick plays they ran, you know, I thought most of them were fit right into the natural flow of their offense, you know. Direct snap to Isaiah Pacheco, that's not exactly reinventing the wheel, you know. Right, right. The reverse to Crookshank. Even the play with Raekwon O'Neal, I mean, you and look, I, I, I said this in the film review, and I want to make it very clear, I am not comparing the Rutgers Scarlet Knights to the Kansas City Chiefs, but the Chiefs have wrinkles all like that in their playbook that Patrick Mahomes uses all the time and repeatedly. So I didn't feel like the trick plays they used on Saturday were one-shot deals. I think these are things that they can incorporate into their offense going forward, and that's the important thing. They're still building on what Sean Gleason wants to do. They're just trying to add a couple wrinkles rather than just a bunch of one-off stunts they think might help them keep this game close. I'd like to see that tale of, tale of the tape between the Chiefs and the Scarlet Knights, Sarge. I don't know. I think that might be, might be a good post for later in the week. Uh, all right, Sarge, so what do you think? Do you agree with the trick play thing? What was, your, what was your main thought when you were watching that offense against, you know, I mean, obviously, they're, Ohio State's known for, for scoring points, but they're still very talented defensively. So I agree with everything that Cratch just said, but I think just if you boil it down to the root of, of, of what we do, like, it was just more fun. It was more entertaining, right? Um, you know, just, and we, we, we're getting this now because we're, you know, normally we would be in the press box. We'd be typing a mile a minute trying to make deadline, but now we're able to kind of let, kind of almost watch the game like a fan would, right? So mm-hmm. watching it, the, the, you know, watching it on TV on Saturday, I, you know, I, I found myself like, well, what's going to, what are we going to come up with next? You know, I mean, yeah. it was interesting that I had seen that, that throwback uh, pass it to Raekwon O'Neal uh, to, to the office offensive lineman where you know that 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 produced a touchdown we have seen that twice before and before I could even ask Greg about it on 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 Saturday he brought it up Jeremy Zuta did it I think in 2004-2005 range Anthony Davis did it in a bowl game so it's not like it hasn't been done before but every time you see it you're like wow you know and and they executed it to perfection I mean Cratch broke it down as well but you know not only did Raekwon O'Neal kind of look like a tight end on the play but it, it was great blocking you know, and, and, and Ovid, uh, Vedral, to his credit, moved in, kind of took a hit, uh, made, a, made a good throw. It was definitely a lateral. It was behind the line of scrimmage, and, you know, it worked to perfection. That should be a, that should be a goal every week to get Raekwon O'Neal on some kind of he's like the most interesting man in the world at a certain point you know should get him in the, it should some highlight each week with this three hundred pound kid doing some some no one expects that be that'd be really a good uh, a good meme for the rest of the season. I just uh, want to right. go ahead. I was going to throw in the, the lateral across the field twice uh, on the returns. <laughs> yeah. 
very impressed by that. I saw that. I've only seen it really one time in my life. My freshman year at South Carolina, 2008, uh, Carolina's in the swamp. They tried to do that. They fumbled the ball. The Gators picked it up and ran in for a touchdown. And I think it was like 21 nothing, four minutes into the game. And it was like, wow. okay, we are done with this watch party. Let's go do something else. <laughs> How about so, the Cowboys really using work. that play? That was Cowboys used that same play last yesterday, right? I, I was mean, doing the, I was in the film bunker, Steve. So I, honestly I understand. Some of us, you know, you, when you work so many hours, the rest of us can just sit here and enjoy, enjoy ourselves and watch football. Um, <laughs> All right, defensively, Justin Fields now has 11 touchdowns and nine incomplete passes through three games. I mean, look, he was crazy good. There were some throws and catches that touchdown pass, uh, you know, was just out of the reach of, uh, you know, of defensive back's hands. I mean, there was a couple of the sideline catch a couple, one, at one point. I mean, they were just really good. That said, it looked to me like the defense also uh, made a bunch of mistakes too. I mean, Cratch, uh, when, you, when you went back and looked at it, what can you take away from the overall defensive effort? You know, I thought, look, they, they made some coverage mistakes. I think the first touchdown, you know, it was just kind of a, a busted zone. I don't think the safety got over the top to help Max Melton out. You know, I thought it was interesting that they opened the game with three cornerbacks and Melton got his first career start. It's a true freshman, you know, like kind of a, a rare thing at Rutgers, I would assume, although Avery Young did a couple of years ago. But no, I mean, I think a big part of it was that Justin Fields is going to win the Heisman Trophy and he's got two elite, you know, NFL caliber wide receivers. There were just some plays where Rutgers just didn't have a chance. You know, even if they got their coverage right, even if they got a little bit of a pass rush, Fields would just kind of step to the side and make a bullet throw down the field. So I think you saw a number one, number two overall right. pick against a Rutgers defense that was not 100% executing everything they had to do. But even when they did, there's only right. so much and, they could do. And de- defensively, up front, the, the Rutgers still managed to hold its own a little bit. I mean, they didn't get pressure on field, which is very hard to do against when you have an elite offensive line, Sarge. But, I mean, your takeaway is from just seeing what guys like Julius Turner and, and, and Dwan Ford did against that, against that really elite level offensive line my biggest takeaway is if matt millen uh took over as like the the pr guy for for uh <laughs> michael dwarmfor right james cratch now at this point has, has taken over as the agent for for julius turner i know college football players can sign um you know, uh, deals with agents, uh, you know, you know, in, in, in their senior year, Cratch has been all over him and rightly so. I mean, he, he's been really, really good, almost, you know, just wreaking havoc on, you know, on, on, on so many plays, plays a position where the stats aren't going to be gaudy, but he sets up so much. He, you know, he, he's really having a good year. You know, the other one getting back to, uh, you know, fields, I know Ohio state quarterbacks haven't really materialized and, and done uh, all that great in the NFL, whether it was JT Barrett, or Cardell Jones or, 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 or Dwayne Haskins so far, but feels, I mean, I, I, I almost filled out my Heisman ballot after that performance. He made some just you know, like unbelievable uh, passes in that game. Um, Ohio State is, is just really good. I know we're not uh, breaking any new ground on this one, but you know, Ohio State is, is as good, uh, impressive of a team as I've seen at one time. We haven't seen someone in our staff fall in love with a player like Cratch has fallen in love with Julius Turner since I f- fell in love with Hayden, Hayden Reddick. And I like that. This might be justified. This actually, there might actually be reason that the guy is doing things in the defensive line that we haven't seen in a long time for, for Rutgers up front. So, uh, and it's fun, it's fun to watch. All right, guys, you want to dive into some true or false here? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, you know the rules. Going to hit you with a bunch of true or false questions, and then we'll go back and discuss them all at the end. All right, true or false? Greg Schiano was chasing points too early against Ohio State. Cratch, true or false? False, then true. 
All right, Whoa. Sarge. I don't even know what that means. Can you break um, the rules like that, Sarge? Yeah, um, true. True. All right. True or false? Greg Shanna went to the onside kick too early against Ohio State. Cratch? False. Sarge? False. All right. Interesting. True or false? Time to shelve the Johnny Langan package. Cratch? True. Wow. We were so high in it too early on. False. So, so are you sticking with it? Sarge? Good. All right. Uh, I'm going to be with you on that one for now, but we'll discuss later. All right, true or false, Art Sikowski should be the starting quarterback based on what we saw from that final drive against Ohio State. Cratch, true or false? False. Sarge? False, but I will say that I, I'd be interested to see if Sean Leeston breaks out the three-quarterback uh, wrinkle that he did at Princeton. I'm going hard false on that one. Uh, true or false, the Dallas – we talked about this. They saw the playbook. All right, true or false, Rutgers will be favored over Michigan in two weeks. Cratch, true or false? You're a odds guy. Uh, false, but it'll be close. Sarge? False. I mean, yeah, they, they could lose. They, they, they could, Michigan could lose by 30. Those would be favored, I think. All right, true or false, Indiana has a legit shot to beat Ohio State in a couple of weeks and shake up the Big Ten. Cratch. Uh, true. Sorry, do you think so? True or false? Wow. Ohio State does come up with a stinker. Um, they every, do? Every year, mm-hmm. they do. And, Ohio, and their pass defense, you know. Would, uh, true. True? Keep All it right. simple. Keep it simple. There you go. True or false, Rutgers basketball team was underrated by being ranked 24th in the top 25 preseason. Cratch. True. Sarge? True. Yeah, we're bullish on them. I thought so, too. I thought they might be top 20, uh, but uh, we're not. 24th, which is still great. First time since John Newman was a freshman in, in high school, I heard. So that, that's very exciting. That, that's how old that is. Um, all right, let's go back through this. The chasing point thing, because I think it's really interesting because I thought it at the time. When, not one of these second guesses. They went for two after their first touchdown. Rucker scored a touchdown uh, with eight minutes to play in the third quarter. And... I get it. The math scratch you, you want to get. If, you, they, if they went for two and got it, it would be 35-11, which is three scores. That said, third quarter, you still think it was okay to go there for two? Yeah, I thought third quarter, the chart makes sense. Get it to 24 points, make it a three-score game. And I also think that if you add up all of the two-point tries – had they gotten all four of them, which is hard to do, obviously, it would have been a two-touchdown game, 14 points, with seven minutes to go. And I've always been kind of like my football guy math in my head is that if you're down 21 points with 10 minutes to go, you have a chance to win the game. And if you're down 14 points with six minutes to go, you still have a chance to win the game. So if that's how Greg Shannon was thinking, I understand it. Now, that being said – after I didn't get the first two-point conversion, I probably, if I were, you know, if I, you know, Coach Cratch, you know, probably would have gone for one after that. But I understand why Greg went for two each time. Do you agree, Sarge? I, I just want to see Coach Cratch in the running for the Michigan job if Jim Harbaugh is out at the end of the year. <laughs> I'm going to push that campaign for sure. Um, yeah, I, 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 like I said before, I think it was a little bit too early um, you know, to chase points at that point. All right, so you guys disagree on the Johnny Langan package. I'm with you, uh, Sarge, on that one. I think that, you know, we've seen enough of it as a different look that it, you know, they, they clearly I got a feeling that Sean Gleason's got a lot more there. That said, Cratch, I agreed with you when you wrote in your film review that that first, that first series where they kicked the field goal when they were at the two-yard line could have been handled better. 
No, definitely. It just felt like they were moving. They had Ohio State going backwards. They they had a good tempo, and it's like, and let's just slow it all down to get this package on the field, which I, I just don't. It, and it's not just like it's Vedral runs off, Langan runs in. It's they're bringing in tight, extra tight ends. It just felt like it was outthinking the flow of the drive and what was working to get there. Look, I think the, the package has been relatively productive. What I keep coming back to is that when you look at the, these two quarterback systems, whether you know Taysom Hill and Drew Brees or Chris Leak and Tim Tebow at Florida, the, the quarterbacks are different players with different skill sets. I look at Vedral and Langan in in some ways, and this is like maybe a too broad of a simplification. They're the same guy. Yeah. You know, Vedral's a more accurate passer than Langan. Langan is a little bit more rugged of a runner. But that being said, I just don't see what the difference is as a, as a, as an offensive coordinator. If you're looking at a package with Vedral or Langan on the goal line. I just am like, okay, am I really doing anything differently? Is it really worth slowing the flow of the game down to switch it out? Now, I will say this. I thought that little – where the Vegel took the handoff and then rolled to the, the right and then threw a pass. If they're going to start doing stuff like that with them both on the field in misdirection and both guys can throw, I see value in that, definitely. But if it's just going to be this, oh, it's fourth and one, let's just put Langan in to try to get a first down – or throw a pass, I just don't see where the value in that is. And I think that, especially as Vedral kind of struggles, and I'm sure this is not something they care about, they're almost inviting the fan base to create a quarterback controversy in these situations by throwing the, the backup quarterback and a third-string quarterback out there as Vedral's – look, they, Greg Shannon shut it down immediately after the game. They are committed to Noah Vedral. And they should but, be. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. I mean, look, if it was Art in Langan, I would totally see the value in the package because they're two drastically different players. But I think there's so much similarity between the skill set Vedral has and the skill set Langan has that I really wonder if it's worth disrupting the flow of the game just to get him on the field. Now, sorry, do you say true that you think Art should be the starting quarterback? You just want him to play more is what you said. No, I said false, but I, I, I think I said false. Uh, yeah. I, I think at some point, um, you know, Sean Gleason, based on his history, you know, he might play, put all three on the field at the same time. Um, <laughs> and that's just what he's done. And now we've seen, you know, him trying to get Art. The one th- takeaway that I got from it, yeah, he fumbled, you know, away, you know, the final play, you know, on a pass attempt. But, you know, he was accurate. Um, I know it's proverbial garbage time, and I, you know, I get all that. But, you know, yeah, you know, he looked pretty good. Um, I just think that at, at some point we, uh, we might we might see all three. Well, this is interesting because I, mean, I do I do believe that we really never saw Art Tukowski with, you know, a competent play caller, a uh, blocking and weapons. I do agree, I do agree with that. That said, what we did see of him was this. I mean, oh my God, look at that kid. He's got a big arm. He's, he's decently mobile, like, makes great throws, and then he, he, he turns it over. So, I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm still thinking that there's a reason why Noah Vedral won, won this job. You know, it, it, I mean, we've seen him. I, I, I get it. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but he also went up against the two best teams that they're going to face. He was 
very good in the, in the opener. You know, I, I think that fans, you know, should be patient with this kid and, uh, you know, and, and let, let him go. See, I mean, he might have. From what we've seen against Illinois, I might get it. They were better last year and this year. Maybe they'll get some guys back from the COVID issues. But, you know, this could be a kind of game where we finally see a real offensive breakthrough from this team that we haven't seen in a while. So see, I would stick with them. Steve, I'm a stats guy, as you know, and I think Vedral uh, uh, is completing like 63% of his passes. Is that accurate? Cratch uh, is 63%, I think. Uh, but R- Rutgers quarterbacks have not – not since Gary Nova, his senior year of, of 2014, has a quarterback uh, you know, at Rutgers been this accurate. You know, we've, we know the playmakers. They don't have – you know, they're not oozing with, with, with playmakers. He's spreading the ball around. You know, again, you know, two best teams in the Big Ten that they've played – um, you know, Indiana game, he wasn't good. He learned uh, you know, a lot from it. He got to block quicker against Ohio State. There were a lot of positive signs. So I think this, you know, I think he's going to get a way longer leash than a lot of fans would like. All right. Do we want to touch on anything else there, Cratch? We, Rutgers, Will, you think there's going to be a close spread? I mean, I, the odds makers are just going to see those two names and go, ooh, you know, we can't. I, I think it'll be 10 points regardless of what happens this week. Ah, uh, you know, it's tough. I mean, Michigan's playing with like it's on one hand Michigan is playing Wisconsin team that is going to be on its fourth string quarterback probably and hasn't played in two weeks on the other Wisconsin still might be good enough even with that you know deck stacked against them to win that game my guess is that it would not shock me if Michigan opens as a favorite and it gets bet down immediately so we get to the point where by kickoff, Michigan's like a one or two point favorite, or even Rutgers is a one point favorite. Right, right. All right, let's dive into some Rutgers insider questions. Folks, we want to thank you for continuing to subscribe. NJ.com backslash insider. If you want to get into the conversation, it's just a cup, a couple of cup of coffees a month. Then you can fire off questions and angry texts directly to us. All right, let's start with this one. It's a good one. Rutgers has a long history of losing games in which they are favored. How will Shiano keep them focused? <laughs> we asked a sim- similar question in his press conference today about this. And I mean, Sarge, you, you're, you've been around Greg for a long time. His answer, I mean, his answer was just, it was, it was vintage Greg. At one point he says, I know that's coach speak, but I'm a coach and that's how I speak. <laughs> it's just a perfect, yep. I mean, I just laughed out loud when I heard that, but you know, he's all about one week, one day, all that stuff. Well, it's a fair question because, you know, they are, you know, a favorite for the first time since 2014. Um, so they haven't been in this position. No, no, no one on this roster has. Greciano has been in this position. And in 2006 was the, the one that, that obviously stands out more than anyone, you know, when they beat Louisville anniversary, you know, I, I guess was uh, this week uh, where, where they beat Louisville and, um, you know, the following week, week they go to Cincinnati and they lose the game after they, you know, had more buzz and more expectations than they ever had in, in their life. Greg Ciano, there's one thing, folks, that you know he is not going to, you know, he 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 said to me today, like, you know, yeah, he's in a bunker right now, and you know, he's going to want his players to be in a bunker. And look, it's 2020 where where you know you know people are on social media, so you know whether he's going to be able to get all the players to to, to uh, shut out the distractions, you know, it's a challenge for anyone. But if there's one coach who knows the the challenge of of, of trying to uh, let his players stay in the moment and not 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 really buy into any of this hype, um, it's Greg Shiano. 
All right, next question. How, how, do, you, how do your current opinion, opinions about Rutgers making it to a bowl game differ from opinions you held at the beginning of the season? I could say that, certainly, my opinion of this at the beginning of the beginning of the season would be like, you're sniffing too much glue to even talk about it. <laughs> that said, Cratch, I just, I'm still not convinced there's going to be much of a bowl season, period. You know, we've seen games canceled. You know, I, I get it now. You look at the schedule and you say, all right, they're one and two. The next five games are winnable. If they get three somehow and they're sitting there at four or five, I, I, I guess they'd be in a conversation for a pinstripe bowl. But, I mean, what are you seeing out there as far as the landscape of this? Yeah, like, obviously before the season started, I would have said, no, like, I don't even know if they're going to win a game, guys. Like, how can we talk about a bowl game? But for me, I, I think that it's – yes, you're absolutely right. There are How many bowls are we actually going to play? Or, are, you know, are teams going to want to play the game? I mean, on one hand, it sounds like, you know, why, why would a team not want to play in a bowl game? But, you know, there's a lot of money involved in, in practices, and you don't know what the, the health, local public health situation is going to be. And I also go back to what I said this a couple weeks ago, and we're just kind of getting closer and closer and closer. If BYU and Cincinnati both finish undefeated, they're both going to be in a new year six. And with Wisconsin having been on the sidelines for two weeks, I don't know if there's going to be a, even if, you know, is there a second big 10 team that has a chance to make the new year six aside from Ohio state, which we assume is going to be in the college football playoff. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate, but if Indiana goes seven and one, only loses to Ohio state and then wins their champions week game, I don't even, like. I don't know if Indiana is going to get invited to like the Cotton Bowl or, or something like. You know, I I don't know if that's possible, given the situation they have. So, I I just tend to think that we're not going to see as many bowl games. And even if we do see bowl games, there are still going to be teams ahead of Rutgers on the pecking order, and there might not be a spot for them to go if they even want to go in the first place. Right. That and that's another great point. It, it, to, yeah, they they have there has to be a consensus that they would want to go. Um, and that that's not a, that's not totally a given. All right. Uh, this is another interesting one. How much stock do potential wins against Michigan and Penn State get, gain us in a year like this? You know, my first thought is, and this reminds me of I remember when, you know, Rutgers beat Michigan in that incredible game at Piscataway and the fans charged the field and I tweeted a picture of it and the reaction from some, you know, tr- Twitter people were, oh, come on, Michigan, Brady Hoke, they're, they're down this year. And my thought was, Rutgers beat Michigan. Like that's it. That's that's it. That that's the whole thing. I mean, there's no we don't grade that in a curve. You know, that that's an anytime Rutgers beats one of those two teams, it's gonna be a good season. Do you agree, Sarge? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm a big media guy, uh, guy his, uh, historical. I look at the matchups, and you know, Rutgers. I think they're two and twenty-seven all time against uh, Penn State. You know, the wow, the nineteen eighty-eight <laughs> yeah. one uh, was one. Um, they've been playing since 1918, uh, so, you know, there was another one. But ni- the 1988 one is the one that everyone, you know, remembers. So right. if they beat, if they beat uh, Penn State this year, that they are not, you know, they are going to remember that game for, for 20 years. And then no one's going to remember, well, well, Penn State was down. They went, you know, two, two and six or two and seven that year. No one's going to care about that. <laughs> you know, that, it's just going to be remembered as, you know, the year that, you know, Rutgers beat, you know, Penn State and – uh you know, the people are going to be, you know, you know, if there's a hero that stands out, he won't have to buy a beer in New Brunswick for the rest of his life. So, I mean, of course. you know, people are going to remember it. So, no, no one's giving that one back. Especially coming off 21 straight Big Ten losses 
to begin with and losing. I mean, remember they lost to Penn State when they, they had a clearly a better team that year when in 2014, when they should have won that game and they did not. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I mean, they, if you beat Penn State this year, it is a, it is a transcendent moment in the program's history and it will be the moment that defines Greg's first year back. Now, look, beating Michigan will be a, a huge deal, but it, not as big of a deal because, hey, they, they, they've already done it before, although I think there will be some cathartic nature to it because I'm sure we'll talk about this next week, obviously, the ghost of 78 nothing, and the fact that it's kind of amazing that, what, four or five years ago, Jim Harbaugh had, like, declared war on Rutgers in the state of New Jersey, and here we are now. It's like all of oh, – first off – a third of the recruits he signed are at <laughs> Rutgers now from New Jersey. Two, none of those guys that he brought from New Jersey, everyone got so bent out of shape about, ever did anything really to help him in terms of like Big Ten sure. titles, national championships. It didn't work. So sure. I, I think that's a part of the attitude. But um, if you beat Penn State, I mean, I don't care what the records are. That's a moment that is, you know, top five in Rutgers history. Absolutely, there's no question. I agree totally with that. Uh, all right, some more, some more good stuff from our Rutgers Insider uh, subscribers. Who is Rutgers more likely to beat? Michigan, Penn State, or Maryland? I love this question because it really does speak to how zany this college seasons begin that we would even consider this. But I mean, right now, if you're just judging a performance, the best team on that three is Maryland. Cratch, you agree? Uh, yes and no. I would I would still say Maryland just because I think that there's a major coaching advantage for Rutgers in that game. Uh, in terms, you know, I, I just think that you know, talking to you know other coaches around the league, people don't think that you know Mike Loxley and his staff are exactly tactical masters. So I think a lot of coaches feel comfortable going into that game that they're going to have a better coach team when they play Maryland. I would say Penn State second just because, as we've talked about, I, by the time we get there, I mean, what Penn State is like, what are they even playing for? You know, are they still together, you know, or just going through the motions? I think Michigan's the toughest matchup of the three just because – even if Michigan loses to Wisconsin on Saturday, I still think that there there is a good team somewhere in that. You know, they have players. I still think they have a good roster, and I could see a situation where they are better equipped to kind of handle the, the fact that their season is spiraling and beat a team like Rutgers. That's just my guess. By by the time we get to Penn State the wheels might be completely off the wagon. Whereas at Michigan, they still might have two wheels and they can kind of scooch along in the front when they get here. <clears throat> Sarge, I want you to take on this too, because the, the, you know, two is kid brother has turned as talk about flipping a narrative on a team. I mean, that's, that's been something incredible. And I get it that they're not as talented as Michigan or Penn state and Michigan's going to come here with an excellent defense and all of the matchup problems that have been evident for, for years are going to be the same thing. But man, I tell you, I would not elected that. I look at that team much differently now with, with, with Maryland's playing offensively. I agree. I also agree with Cratch um, that, that Maryland is probably the, is still the easiest one. Um, and I only just say based on the talent that, you know, uh, Penn state, you know, James Franklin, you know, seems to, to really get a kick out of um, playing Rutgers and, you know, the 2014 game was, was competitive, but the rest of them really haven't been. Um, Penn State just has, you know, up and down the roster, they're, they're going to have better players. Uh, you know, I get that they might be spiraling and, you know, and, and it m might be different different circumstances. I'm not minimizing, you know, 
the 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 really um, you know the belief if that Rutgers they are more talented than we than, than we, we gave them credit for at the beginning of the year. I mean, Graciano has flipped a roster. You know, the, the being more competitive against Ohio State and beating Michigan State, you know, is a credit to, to uh, you know a more talented roster. All that said. You know, Penn State and Michigan have recruited better. They do have better players on on their roster. Maryland is still a, a question, but you're right. You know, to his brother, you know, you know, has just you know completely changed the narrative. Um, you know, I I think all three are going to be tough, but I think Maryland probably is going to be the easiest one of, of of the three. And I do remember you said you mentioned James Franklin. He is he will not want to lose that game either. I remember so last year when when Rutgers was you know at the end of Chris not last year was it maybe two years ago, I just got I just got done going to Chris Ash's press conferences because it was the same thing every week. It was just like I can't. I can't listen to this guy anymore. So I would go to, I went to James Franklin press conference and just asked him like, you know, Hey, just a couple of years ago, you guys were in a death match with, you know, you needed five interceptions to beat Rutgers. And now you guys have pulled away. And you know, I asked him some questions about that and he just wasn't having, it. he was like, yeah, that's because we weren't, we weren't Penn state then we are Penn state now, essentially what he said. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I think that, yeah, he's going to be pretty motivated to make sure that he keeps his foot on this program for recruiting reasons and just for pride reasons, if, if that does come to that. But it's going to be the fact we're talking about these, all of these games as winnable is a win for Rutgers to begin with. Uh, all right, I'm going to dive into what else we have here. Um, deep throws. We have a question about deep throws, Cratch. Uh, they tend to loosen up defenses. Are the lack of deep plays arm strength by Vedral? Why receivers that can't get separation? Or because the latter is hard to believe the way Bull Mountain's playing it? Or do you see something else at this point with why the team is not throwing down the field more often? I think it's like an all, all the above. I mean, I think that Vedral doesn't necessarily have the, the rocket arm that you know, f- makes those things, you know, you, uh, every drive occurrence. I think that there are some separation separation issues, not necessarily with Bo per se, but defenses can kind of take Bo away and then other guys maybe aren't getting that kind of blazing speed downfield. And I think the offensive line, I mean, I think that the offensive line has played very pretty well through three games, but we also can't really know how much of that is Sean Gleason play calling to kind of accentuate the positives and, you know, mask the negatives of what he knows he has with that unit. So I think it could, and I think it kind of goes back to the whole art question of, you know, art looked really good, you know, f- for a couple of plays against Ohio state, but you know, can art drop back 25 times and be protected and deliver those throws downfield. If it was an actual game that was competitive with a first team defense on the field. Hard to imagine. You're absolutely right. All right. So we get a lot of questions about Audric Esteem. Is that how you pronounce this kid's name? I believe so, yes. You believe so? Uh, some discussion that he might be dis- decommitting from Michigan State. We do not have Todrick here to ask him. I should have asked him beforehand. Does anybody have any idea what's going on with the kids who committed to Michigan State, given what's going on with that program? So I just saw on Twitter, I, I think the, the Hun kid, Wigginton, like he's gone. But I believe mm-hmm. that of the St. Joe's kids, uh, Audric Esteem and Gino Vandemark, I think Todrick has written, you know, they're both flippable. Uh, it could happen. I think that everything I've kind of heard is that esteem is more likely at this point to, to potentially be a guy that comes back into the fold for records by the end that Vandermark, but it sounds like it's certainly possible that both could end up coming to Rutgers. We'll see how it plays out. Um, as Greg said today, there's like 40 or so days until national signing day. Uh, but I think the biggest takeaway for that Rutgers is we never had these conversations about yeah. kids with Chris Ash. No, now 
we have a conversation where Rutgers fans can actually sit there and be like, you know what? We might not get him in the end, but Chiano has a chance to get this done right up until the fax gets sent or the email or whatever. Whereas back in the day with Ash, once the kid was gone, he was gone. Right. Uh, all right. And finally, several people wanted about the injury situation. It's, it's funny. I mean, I, I, you tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like they're, they're very healthy. And this is something, not going to obviously, but this is something I thought was going to be a big concern when you didn't have the camp that you expected to have, when you had the COVID situation, where you had all sorts of uncertainty and you stopping and starting and no spring practice. And every, every single thing pointed to potential injury problems. Sarge, am I missing somebody? Is there somebody hurt here that, we, that they lost from uh, last week against Ohio State that, that you know, we'll be missing against Illinois? No, I mean, I, you know, I pencil in, you know, while I'm watching a game, you know, anyone who leaves the field, but like Dwum Four, he was banged up, came back in, played, you know, and, you know, Graciano hasn't indicated anyone. They've been also, and he knocked on wood, I think, during his press conference, but they've been fortunate at, at, at this point with, with COVID. Uh, so, you know, they had their outbreak in the summer and maybe, you know, they might be getting a little lucky right now. Right. right. And Illinois, I think they'll get some of those guys back. I mean, they, they obviously the list of players out for, for, for their last game was just uh, – was not good, Cratch. No, I, I think – my understanding is that the quarterback, Brandon Peters, will not be back, but it sounds like they're optimistic that they're going to get a lot of guys back who didn't necessarily test positive for the COVID-19. They were guys that had to quarantine as close contacts for you know local health guidelines. I think they're optimistic those guys will be back. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, as always, for your questions to Rutgers Insider. We appreciate it. Let's dive in to the Illinois preview Seven-point favorite, a touchdown favorite for the Scarlet Knights. And that actually seems about right. i got to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I didn't watch a lot of Illinois, but uh, certainly the results are not promising. Lovey Smith bringing his team to town. What do you think, Cratch? Who you got in this game? Give me a score. I think, I think Rutgers wins. I'm going to say Rutgers wins 27 to 21. Um, that that'll be my official prediction. Look, I think the big thing for Rutgers is going to be, you know, big plays. You know, they're they're second to last in the Big Ten. I think allowing plays of twenty yards or more. Um, that's been a issue in recent seasons, as we all know. It was really an issue against the Illini. You know, I think twenty eighteen. Illinois had like four running backs all looked like Barry Sanders in that game. And then last year uh, it wasn't as bad, but you know, Sarge was out there in Champaign with me after that three hour drive from Chicago. Jeez, uh, that, that was rough. Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought I was in like, you know, Indiana half the time, but anyway, this is the, by far the worst trip, by the way. Oh, folks. it's by it, far. Like, I used the to worst think like then trip. Milwaukee to green Bay was bad. I'm like, this is like the oh, eighth layer of hell. So anyway, um, I'd rather move to Iowa than drive to Illinois. How's that sound? <laughs> it's I, I hear you. No. So I, I think last year wasn't as bad, but, there were like one or two like shoestring tackles where Illinois was, you know, an inch away from breaking an 80 yard touchdown run. So I think that's going to be a big key is tackling and preventing those big plays because Illinois does have an offense. that's kind of conducive and has done that to Rutgers in the past, but I think Rutgers wins 27, 21, get to two and two. And then, Honestly, you're going to go into a week where whether they're favored or not by, you know, the betters, people around this team are going to think we're going to beat Michigan and kind of put the final stake in Jim Harbaugh's, you know, heart and send him back to the NFL. <laughs> 
They got to win this one first, Sarge. And the one thing that does give me pause, you know, the fact that they are favored, the fact that their expectations now for the first time, much sooner than anyone ever thought, and the fact that they haven't had that stinker yet. Uh, they're not going to catch anybody off guard anymore. What do you think, Sarge? Did anything concern you about this one? And you gonna, are you going to pick Rutgers to win as well? I, I, first off, I'm offended that, that I, I thought I was a good shotgun companion on the road. Crash, I remember to drive vividly. I, I, I didn't think it was that bad of a drive, but, uh, you know, apparently, you know, it, it's really uh, stuck with Cratch all these years later. So I am a little offended by, by, by that. I mean, it was a um, year later, and it was nothing to do with you. It was just literally <laughs> driving in the middle of nowhere for three hours. Is, is it <laughs> as bad right. as the time that, that we paid, I stopped paying attention for four minutes in Indiana, and suddenly we were, <laughs> we were in the middle of some some. some boarded up town and you know outside of Look, it, outside of indianapolis like in fairness to me how I was way supposed to know that that was the day they decided to have the street carnival i looked down and we were suddenly there were carnies running around in this little i mean little godforsaken place outside of bloomington and somewhere between like i just look up i'm like where are we that still stands out as my favorite road trip. So that, did we get back on the interstate? We did. Uh, yeah, but you know, I mean, that was that was 15 minutes. I could have been having a martini back at St. Elmo's. I mean, that 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 was the problem with that. Uh, all right, what were we talking about? The pick. That's right. Sorry, football. Can finish, we talk about football? Finish your thought here <laughs> about the in, in the Illinois game, please. Um, I think Rutgers are going to win. Um, I think they're going to run the ball. Um, you know, Minnesota had 325 yards against Illinois. Rutgers, I mean, you know, again, getting back to Cratchit's film review, you know, Isaiah Pacheco needs to run north-south more. And, and when he does, you know, he's a really good running back. Um, you know, same thing with uh, Karon Adams. You know, he wasn't used as much, you know, against Ohio State after two weeks ago, had, had, a, had a breakthrough. You know, eight, you know um, Aaron Young, you know, had a, a good game against Illinois a year ago. You know, they're going to have to run the ball. Um, against this team, if they keep it simple, um, just do what they do well. Yeah, I think they're going to win the game. Um, I think it's going to be low scoring, um, 24-17. Uh, there you go. All right, right in, right in the number. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going with you. I can't remember the last time the three of us all picked Rutgers to win. It's happening right now. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm just very interested to see this Sean Gleason offense, which is fun to watch against an opponent of the same caliber. I want to see what he does. I want to see what the normal look is. You know, I, I love the trick plays. I'm sure there are going to be plenty of them again. You know, keep, keep it up, you know, keep it, keep us off balance. Let's, you know, let's have some fun and, 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 and go crazy when possible. But I just want to see them line up, you know, and, just run the offense the way they would run it if they weren't playing against five-star talent defenses that are just, you know, uh, so much better than they are. Um, I think that's going to be the case this week. I'm going to go with them. I think it's going to be uh, a 27-17 type game. I'm even going to pick them to cover. All right, fellas, what else we got? Basketball, anything you want to talk about? We don't have a basketball schedule yet. We thought we'd have one last week. There's still no Seton Hall on the schedule. There might probably won't be. What do you got, Cratch? I think that's about it. You know, we're just kind of – it's it's all ramping up. I, I think I'm really intrigued to see how this basketball season plays out in terms of, one, like how far do they get. You know, you're already seeing all these teams around the country are shutting down. You know, can the Big Ten kind of avoid that? And I just think it's going to be it's, – it's just like – I'll be honest with you. I, I haven't really found the football without fans or many fans to be all that strange, you know, when you're there. But an empty rack, 
I just think it's going to be really kind That's of fascinating. Weird. You know, and, and sorry, this is more up your alley. Just uh, as far as whether they're going to pull this basketball season off. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the positivity rates in Iowa and it's like 49%. Yep. It's just numbers. You're like, are you really going to play indoor sports out there? I mean, I just, Nebraska, some of these play, I mean, I mean it's not as bad, uh, you know, but it's still, it is, it is not a good situation in the Midwest. Steve, it, it, it's all going to boil down to getting them healthy in time for the NCAA tournament. Cause I've said this before, they are not, the NCAA is not going, they're going to do everything they can to have an NCAA tournament. You know, having it canceled two years in a row would be a complete, you know, catastrophe from, 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 you know, the NCAA perspective. So um, I think this season is going to be disjointed. Um, you know, I, I think we were, we're already seeing some, some schools shutting down. Um, you know, you're right. You know, it, it seems like it, it, it's spiking everywhere. Um, and I think they're going to get to a point where they're going to try to, you know, quarantine and then at some point go into, go into a, uh, you know, a pod system or a bunker system you know, a month out and, and try to do what, like, what MLB did with the World Series, you know, you know, two weeks out, you know, make sure that all the teams that they think are, are you know, and, you, you know, at that point, you might have some, some teams with, you know, 10 games, you know, 11 games on their resume. Right. So, you know, it might not be you know, exactly fair, but they are going to do everything they can to have that NCAA tournament this year. I think 13 games is the minimum that you have to play. To They're going to break that rule. If they, you know, I mean, I'm telling you. Well, I'm sure they Duke, will, but I like. Duke, Duke is 11-1. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We see 13. No, 11. No, it's just it, it, feel, it almost feels like they're scheduling 30 games to try to play 15. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. But no, I agree with you. Like, look, I'll be honest with you. I think Rick Patino is right. They should have put every team in the NCAA tournament this year and made it incredibly regionalized to the point where it's like, oh, New Jersey, you have eight Division One schools. All right, well, you're going to play a little bracket, and one of you guys is going to show up, you know, to the round of whatever. So I think it's it's going to be really messy. All right, guys, we'll be back to talk a lot about talk a lot of basketball. We have basketball media day on Friday. We'll have you know, hear from the coach Peichel and, and the players. We'll get a better sense for what they expect for the season. And on Saturday, Rutgers, Illinois, we will be watching. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you on Monday.